Hello, you are listening to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our New York City studio apartment is Sarah Jensen, my wife. Hello. This podcast is all about exploring the things that we are curious about in the moment. Yeah. Or things that we've been curious about our whole life. <laughs> and then we just like have a conversation. We get deep about it. Hence, Deeply Curious. That's it. Deeply Curious is brought to you by... Our friends over at JensenAV.club, that is our Patreon page. It is the way that we're able to continue creating the art that we are creating um, without having to worry about creating art that sells. Yeah. So if you want to check out our Patreon page and um, potentially help support the things that we do, you can head over to JensenAV.club. There are four or five different uh, tiers that you can explore and join that all give you different levels of access and exclusive content. And this uh, particular episode is associate produced by Rob Evans, who just joined us last week. Hey. Thank you, Rob Evans, for uh, joining us as a, an associate producer. And then it is executive produced by Christian B. Schmidt. Shout thank out. you guys for uh, your support and thank you to everybody in the Jensen AV Club. Um, again, if you want to support us on Patreon and check out the Jensen AV Club, just go over to JensenAV.club. Yes. This particular episode, we thought we would dive into something that not necessarily we are uh, curious about this week, yeah. but we has been a curiosity of ours for a long time. A long time. Um, and it is something I think that, I guess it's kind of a, a life mm, philosophy. philosophy. Yeah, that's a good word. <laughs> So much so, yeah, that one of us has a very large arm tattoo. That's true, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a quote on it. Yeah. And what does the quote say? It says, "I feel written." It's a quote by Donald Miller from his book called "A Million Miles in a Thousand Years," um, which is all about the what makes a good story. Like in Hollywood, there's seven tropes, basically, or or storylines, I guess that. Um, pretty much you can put any story up against it and it'll follow one of those seven outlines. And so he dives into what makes a good story and how that applies to our life as well. It's like what we need in our life to make it a good story. So I Feel Written is just about how we are all characters in this story that is larger than ourselves. And yeah, it just reminds me to that I am a story Yeah, and to live a good one. So that's kind of the conversation we want to have in this podcast is living a good story. Yeah. What does it take? What does it mean? How do you do it? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> and um, in that also talking about this concept called identity capital. Yes. Which goes hand in hand with living a good story, right. I think. So, I mean, the thing with these things is all about... Um, I guess, it, I guess I'll just talk about, uh, you know, my experience, our experience, uh -huh. and just the fact of what it means to live a good story and how that helps me make decisions and how that helps me not, um, like, go into uh, deep spirals or rabbit holes or yeah. how, basically it gives me perspective. That's what it, yeah. um, like, in a concise way, seeing my life as a story helps me um, take all emotions, negative and positive, give them perspective into the grand scheme of life. Yeah. In in what it actually is a great story. So um, I think that the, the concept of, you know, living a great story, I, I feel like is something that all of us. Everyone wants it. You know, Who strive for. It's like, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, what constitutes a great story? Yeah. Um, and with, you know, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years by Donald Miller, one of the things he gets into is like, if you basically take the, the common denominator of all seven story arcs that mm -hmm. can be, you know, that every single story written in history can basically uh, all of them. Yeah. Maybe there's an outlier, but we'll just say that 99.9% .9 of stories yes. can all fit within these you know, one of seven yeah. um, different storylines. And um, there's 
a common denominator basically in all of them in that they all have a character yes that's us <laughs> um spoiler alert um <laughs> but they also all go through conflict yes they all overcome said conflict yes to a certain outcome yes. um that you know produces it you know that's like the last four minutes of the film whenever they um overcome the conflict and, everything is just you know right <laughs> yeah or go through the conflict and don't yeah overcome it and you know there's that outcome um but essentially without conflict right there is no story that's the main the main um point i guess is that you have to have some sort of conflict in order to have a good story yeah and it's not that the conflict has to be movie worthy yeah and i also think it doesn't mean you have to like invite conflict <laughs> right <laughs> you shouldn't be seeking conflict out i don't think but you should understand that when conflict does come because it will that it's possible to to overcome it instead of just like freak out about it yeah. you know what i mean i mean i think so what i'm getting at here is that the way that i like to bring perspective to my life and the way that I like to make decisions in my life is just thinking about things in, okay, well, what's going to make for a better story? Yeah. Whenever, yeah. When, when all this is said and done, like what's going to make for a better story? Not what's going to be the easiest for me right now. Not what's going to be the most comfortable for me right now. What's not, what's going to be, you know, the, the path of least resistance, you know, yeah. within my next step. It's more so, okay, whenever I'm, you know, lounging around with potential grandchildren mm -hmm. and telling them the stories that my family has heard a thousand times, you know, what's going to make for the better story? Yeah. Which and, one do I want to tell them? Yes. And it's like sitting in comfort or stepping out and doing something incredible or yeah. meaningful or yeah. hard or something that I failed at, you know, whatever. And let's just, I mean, a prime example and I think probably a prime example because it is the biggest risk, I guess, that we've ever taken in our life. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a, there's definitely, I mean, 100% there is others, but this is the most fresh and the most like mm -hmm. feeling like the most risk is that whenever we lived in Oklahoma, we had a decision that we could stay and live like a great life or we could leave and walk into the unknown. Yeah. Um, and we chose to sell everything, mm -hmm. get into a car, drive straight to New York City with no jobs, no house, no place to live, no, no friends, <laughs> no idea of what we were doing, nor what we were going to do. Right. But at the end of the day, it was like, that's all scary. That's all risky. That's all whatever. But what's going to make for a better story? I think... Yeah, I I put different words to it than mm -hmm. you do, but it's the same thing. I think risk is like the most fun thing in life. Like, well, for one, y you just learn who you are and what you're made of. And like, there's something to be said about throwing yourself into the deep end and seeing if you can swim. Like, I think that's the, that's where fun comes in. Um, but also like, I mean, what do you do if you're not risking? Like, nothing? Mm -hmm. You're just same old, same old? That just seems like it's not interesting to me, <laughs> I yeah. guess. So, like, it doesn't even, for me, I don't have to, like, know the answers or have anything planned out. Like, the fun of it is throwing yourself into the chaos, which I understand most people aren't built like that, but... It, it's like you said, it's a perspective shift. And if you can understand that like the risk is where life is, like you'll be way more apt to take risks, yeah. I think. And that, uh, I mean, it gets into a little bit of different conversation, but I think that that failure really isn't failure. Yeah, I, I, I kind of don't believe that f failure is a thing because even if you fail, quote, quote unquote mm -hmm. fail um like you still learn something and that's not failure right like you learned for example like if you move somewhere that you always wanted to live and then you learn that it's not what you thought it was like that's not a failure mm -hmm. it's just you learning who you are and like oh so i 
shouldn't live here. Okay, now I can go live somewhere else and know that it's fine. Or if you take a job that you thought was your dream job and mm-hmm. it sucks, like, well, now you know that it's not your dream job. That's it, that's not failure. Yeah, It's just learning in a different way. Failure is not an action. Failure is an inaction. Yes. Yes. If you don't fail at something, then you didn't do anything. And that's the that's the failure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, but I think like looking at your life like a story and even even just thinking like, okay, what story is going to be the better one to tell? I mean, completely shifts every way you make a decision, mm-hmm. I think. And let me get let's let's back up a little bit and give a little caveat. Okay. A little asterisk. Um <laughs> whenever we talk about telling a better story, it is not telling a better story for the uh ego and praise and status of telling other yeah. people how amazing you are. It's more so for it, it's nuanced. It's very like, I don't, nuanced. I don't know it's if very I could personal. Figure, yeah, and- I don't know if I could figure out the language to really describe like the difference, mm-hmm. but essentially it, it's it's not about vanity. It's right. not about, go, you know, well, doing something so that you can say, look I what this. I did. Right. Because um, it's all it's all very personal and it is all nuanced. And it's it's about what makes you more you. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like it's I mean, if you're living a great story is living in the woods and like growing your own garden. That's fantastic. I couldn't do that. I don't, (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's not something that's like this major decision. Um, Like in A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, Donald Miller tells the story of this, one of his friends who his daughter was kind of dating this guy who's not so great. She was like smoking a lot of weed and you know, whatever she, partying i think like he he just couldn't figure out how to get her out of that cycle Mm -hmm. and so donald miller basically said like you have to create a better story for her to live in so the guy like racked his brain and he decided that as a family they were going to build a school i can't remember where in in a non-first world country yeah i i think it was africa somewhere but i i don't know um, anyways, th- he decided as a family, they were going to build the school. They were going to fund it completely and they were going to go there and like see it being built. And within a couple weeks of him making this decision, she dropped the boyfriend. She quit going out at night. She started putting her own money toward the school, you know, like because it was a better story mm-hmm. because it engaged a piece of her that that wasn't being engaged and that's the point it's not it doesn't have to be something like flashy and showy and like you know what we think of as successful right it it just has to be better than what you're currently living yeah you know it's not like yeah it doesn't come down to like deciding between um you know, buying the Mercedes S-Class yeah. and buying the Toyota Camry. And right. it's like, well, I mean, the Mercedes tells a better story. It's like, no, it doesn't. Right. Like, I think, actually, th- that's a story that Donna Miller tells in the book as well. <laughs> yeah, the first opening paragraph is about how, um, like, imagine going to this movie and watching this guy save up money for years to buy a Volvo and then like the last scene of the movie is him driving off the lot checking the windshield wipers of his Volvo like holding his hands in the air like yes we did it you know that's not a good story mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of sucks and you'd be really mad yeah but for some reason in our lives that's what we do we that's the story we tell we just save up years to buy a Volvo and call it good mm-hmm. you know insert whatever into Volvo but right you know that that's not a good story. That can't be the reason you're living. Yeah. And so for me, the way that I look at telling a good story is def- is never about the story that I tell to those that I don't know. It's yeah. more so the story that I get to tell myself mm-hmm. whenever, you know, I'm old and I get to like story arc my life into right. what it is. Like it's it's like what what's going to be What's the story I'm not going to regret? Mm-hmm. And like we, like I said earlier, it's like it's not about the story that has less failure, right? It's the story of 
stepping out, the story of trying, the story of, of struggling and conquering, or the story of struggling and realizing that the struggle is not worth it, you know, or whatever it is. It's like, yeah. it's, it's at the end, the way that I like to view it is just in two ways. Mm-hmm. One is at, you know, past middle life with grandkids sitting around talking and telling stories about my, you know, my life and the way that I've, you know, yeah. whatever lived. What what is going to be the thing that I want to tell, right? And and it, you know to share those experiences, and then move, you know, twenty years, thirty years, what you know, whatever it is in the future of that, into where I'm on my deathbed, mm-hmm. and what story is going to be the one without regrets, right? And I think that you know the way that I, that's why if you listen to last week's episode about my existential existential crisis Mm -hmm. that I am currently in. (laughs) Um, It's like, those are the things I think about because, you know, these people, if you look at people who are at the end of their life, the things that they regret are never about not getting the Volvo or right, not, right. you know, not working harder or not getting that corner office or not getting right. that job or it's whatever. It's like traveling more, spending time with family. Yes. It's always reading about more books. It's always about the relationships Hello. and experiences. Yes, totally. I think um, another really good story that I love that Donald Miller told that I think puts it into perspective of that it doesn't have to be this like grand risk or whatever is um he was on a podcast recently and he was talking about how he used to be pretty overweight um and he wanted to be thinner he wanted to lose weight so what he did was he threw himself into a story that required him to weigh less and i think like what he did was he decided to bicycle across america i think he went from portland to dc or something insane like (laughs) insane decision but again you're throwing yourself into the deep end you're throwing yourself into something that requires something of you that you don't have yet and it just really well shows your character it shows what you're made of and it just makes so much sense like if you in in a small way nobody cares if donald miller lost weight like that's not a huge thing for us, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's not something that he did to prove to us anything. He wanted to do it for himself and it's a better story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a better story biking across America when you were too overweight to do it. Like I, it just is so small, but it makes such an impact on his life. Yeah. And I think that's the point. Yeah. Um, it's not a, I mean, if you want to weigh less, just like do something that requires you to weigh less. Is that simple? Mm-hmm. And just apply that idea to everything in your life. And that, that's what it means to live a good story. Yeah. You know, the best story is never the most comfortable. Definitely. It's always the most uncomfortable. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's always the ones where you know, fail, failure or death or whatever is imminent. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why 300 is such a like inspiring movie or, you know, all of those underdog stories. Mm-hmm. Th- that's why those are inspiring because literally they had no chance, but <laughs> but they did it anyway, you know, and came out ahead. Yeah. Like that's, that's the point. Yeah. Um, so thinking about my life as a story, for you know a story that i'm writing or a story that i get to you know relive at the end like whatever Mm -hmm. it is just living my life as a story allows me gives me perspective to make decisions that lead me down a path that i i have uh less and less regrets i guess yeah um and then also what i like about it thinking about life this way is in the moments of struggle Totally. It helps me keep perspective in the fact that this isn't the end of the world. This is just a better story. Yeah. You know, it's I, like we have come across different, um, you know, even even in small things, mm-hmm. like just things just don't go your way. You know, we have, you know, probably a good dozen stories of like being on vacation um, or being, you know, wherever. Yeah. And things just don't go the way that we expected them to. Right. And in those moments, we're like, well, that sucks, but... It's a good story. Yeah. Um, and you're like just thinking about, you know, in the future that whenever we, 
you know, revisit mm-hmm. this moment as a story that th- overcoming this thing is is something we will actually tell yeah. versus if everything went our way, mm-hmm. you know, it would be like, yeah, we went to London. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I think kind of experience is king, you mm-hmm. know? Like it doesn't really matter if it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Like you go for the experience. That's that's what you're searching for. That's what you want. Like you want these experiences even if it's not ideal, you know? Yeah. Like it's going to be a good story as long as you have the right perspective. So just experience is king, I think. Yeah. And so to give you an example. Yeah. Is this last, uh, you know, just a few months ago, we went on a 10-year anniversary trip um, to London. Mm-hmm. And we, like, found out the night that we were, the night before we Our were supposed flight. to get on the plane, you know, whenever you're supposed to check in yeah. to the flight online. I went to check in online. Long story short, found out that the airline that we booked our tickets through had gone bankrupt yep. and had notified nobody. <laughs> nobody. And we no longer had flights to London where we had a friend waiting on us, an Airbnb booked, um, yeah. like everything was in place and paid for. Yeah. Um, and now we are out the original ticket price and now we have to find new, new tickets <laughs> to get there within the next like 24-ish hours. Yeah. Um, and in that moment, um, it was very stressful. Yeah. And it was also, it was 11 p.m. and our flight was the next morning, mm-hmm. you know, and we we're like freaking out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's like we're freaking out, doing all this stuff. But then like we get on the plane and we're like talking about it and it's just like, well, this is going to be a great story. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, we, it sucks so bad that we just had to spend like an extra thousand dollars or whatever yeah. um, to get here. Um, which, you know, it's not like not ideal, not ideal and not, you know, what what we want. But, it you know, it's like. But not letting those things ruin your enthusiasm for whatever it is you're doing. Right. Is the point. And and knowing in the moment that, well, this is a story that not very many people get to have in their lifetime. Yeah. Like you get to have it. That's cool. That's mm-hmm. fun. You know, it sucks, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, And so. You know, so that's like something small. Yeah. And I guess this is all just like sharing um, perspective and experience and, and like how I personally view and deal with uh, struggle. Struggle um, and, and making difficult decisions, I think. Yeah, making yeah. different and, and making the best of difficult situations. Yes. And, and, you know, and I think it's harder to live in the moment of that. Totally. But I think I have found the that I've been able to do it. I don't know if everybody can get there, but I don't know. I don't. I can't provide you a pathway to get there either. Yeah. But it, it's just a pathway of self awareness. Well, I th- self awareness, and I think just um, mental stamina. Like mm-hmm. you have to build that that muscle in your brain. You know, it's yeah. not just you just come across a difficult situation. And you're like, oh, this is easy. That's not how it works. You know, it, it's like it takes practice to even come to the conclusion that this is a difficult situation. But I know. Like, but I can see in the future the benefit of it. Yeah. Like that's, that just takes practice. Even whenever we moved to New York, um, the day we were leaving, you can actually go back on our YouTube channel and watch the video that as we were, you know, filling up the car with gas for the last time mm-hmm. in Tulsa, um, like I just stopped and we talked about how this right now, this is a moment, this is a story that we will tell for the rest of our lives. Right. Because this is one of those defining moments of being a human right is that stopping selling everything and driving out of a town with people that you love and right. that and know, that's comfortable a, a comfortable play you know great jobs and great people yeah. great everything like no uh no really great reason to leave either yeah um but doing it because we feel like we need to and we feel like we're we are following, you know, the, a direction that we're supposed to go. Right. And stepping out in faith in that moment. And so, like, we talked about it of like, this is we need to take this in because this is one of those moments in life that we will tell forever. Right. Um, Which I mean is also why we filmed it because we knew beforehand we were like, this is 
this is a big thing mm-hmm. and like we're not going to forget it. So that's why we started filming it. Yeah. Yeah. So also in in this vein of living a great story mm-hmm. and making decisions for yourself for the story that you want to tell of your life. Um, another like thing to think about or another principle, I guess, mm-hmm. um, is this this thing that we learned about uh, quite a few years ago called identity capital. Yes. And it's from the book, The Defining Decade. Yes. And if you are in your 20s, no, 20, you know, years old to 29, like you, when we have friends who are older that have read it and said that it's still very helpful. But if you are in your 20s. I mean, it's specifically written for you. <laughs> right. It's specifically written for you. It's called The Defining Decade and like living your best 20s or whatever like yeah. the tagline is. Yeah. And it is a book I would highly recommend for anybody. Yes. Um, especially if you're in 20s and then especially, especially if you're in your early 20s. Yeah. Um, it, it, it really lays, you know, some great principles out for, mm-hmm. you know, how to live life. But the, one of the big things that the book talks about is this thing called identity capital. And I yeah. think identity capital is a great definition for even what we've just been talking about for the last 20 minutes. Right. In that making these decisions to live a better story, because um, I think you have the definition you can. Read yeah. Um, it says identity capital is our collection of personal assets. It is the repertoire of individual resources that we assemble over time. These are the investments we, we make in ourselves, the things we do well enough or long enough that they become a part of who we are. Some identity capital goes on a resume, such as degrees, jobs, test scores. Other identity capital is more personal, such as how we speak, where we're from, how we solve problems, how we look. Identity capital is how we build ourselves bit by bit over time. Most important, identity capital is what we bring to the adult marketplace. It's the currency we use to metaphorically purchase jobs and relationships and other things we want. So basically, the idea is that identity capital are kind of those more undefinable things that you're gaining through experience to add to yourself Mm -hmm. to put in your arson of skills um so it can be a job sometimes sometimes it's not sometimes it's a skill that you learn from a job that was sort of an accidental thing you didn't even realize you were learning um it's just like these things that are more nuanced that aren't really like here's the job I had and here's what I did at it. It's like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, so identity capital is one, it is doing things that help you tell a better story with your life for the uh, external, I guess. Like, yes. you know, if, if you are going out for a job, um, there are certain pieces of identity capital that you can gain over the course of your life that make you a better candidate for that specific job. Right. And then outside of like the work side of it. Right. There's also identity capital in just the fact of being an interesting person. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's like social things and professional things and all of all of this stuff is like wrapped up in in the story of your life, which is made up of your identity capital. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'll kind of try to give an example of, of how I like to think about identity capital and the fact that let's say you, your dream mm-hmm. is to be a editor at a publisher or mm-hmm. something. It's like that, that's like your dream job. And as you're working towards being an editor, all of your decisions are following the specific path that you're supposed to go to become an editor at a publisher. Right. And you like, you go to the right school, you take the right course, you take the right internship, you go to the right thing. Um, and all of those things are, you know, the, the supposed perfect pathway for you to become an editor at a publisher. And the, the problem with that is that every other person that their dream right. is to become an editor at a publisher is going to the same school, going to the same internship, going to the same, you know, networking events, going to the same, like whatever. And at the, you know, in the whole end of that spectrum, how many ever years that takes, you show up to the interview and the interviewer has just listened to 20 other candidates 
right that have gone through the exact same process to get here right versus if you were to build up identity capital outside of that process let's say you did all of the same things to get there but i mean i think that you could even take your own path yeah. but let's just you know say that you took all the same, the same paths path. but then you know you also took um outside of that a something completely unrelated right in that you uh i don't know took an automotive class mm -hmm. and and you learned you know this ins and outs of an uh a car in general and how to fix it and then you um also took scuba diving and also you know spent uh right. a summer in i don't know somewhere else yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> studying abroad yeah, you know wherever it is uh zimbabwe or something and it's like all of these things, while completely unrelated and while you couldn't walk into a job interview for a publishing, you know, an editor and say, I took a scuba I, class. I took a scuba class and automotive <laughs> class and I you know, studied abroad uh, in yeah. Zimbabwe. It's like, but having the path, then coming with your identity capital and, and the ability to be like, yeah, I did take you know a b and c course and i have the prereq prerequisites but i also spent a summer here and i learned this thing from scuba and i learned this thing from you know uh fixing the oil brand right. of, of you know this s class whatever blah blah and that the thing that that showed me within editing is that you know xyz that applies from or even, automotive yes. and scuba and whatever and you're like you're coming to the to a conclusion through a different pathway and it brought a it's like the mother of invention essentially mm -hmm. that inventors a lot of times it are able to invent the thing because they were able to merge two seemingly unrelated things right. into one solution that nobody else was able to come from because they didn't have the experience of knowing the ins and outs of a car and knowing uh right. french and knowing um you know the, how to how to scuba dive and so right. like they were like well this thing sucks but this thing from automotive reminded me that you can actually do this thing within the engineering scope of scuba to create this new thing and they're able to invent that now let's apply that to your intellectual abilities mm -hmm. of you know an editor at, at a publisher and you're able to use all of those life experiences in a different way which gives you more identity capital than the 19 other people who showed up for the job yeah i think that may not be a perfect example because i was pulling all of those things out of my you know butt but it's like <laughs> you know essentially it doesn't matter because it just you just come with more identity capital with right. somebody you're competing with yes i do think that that's true but also just on a a more even a simpler i guess level than like okay i can take these skills and mm -hmm. combine them with these skills and make this thing you are now more interesting yeah that's it. Like you stand out a little bit because you have more experience, even if it's not experience in what the job is mm -hmm. like you have a little bit more experience than this other person. So you stand out a little bit more. And like even just on that simple level, that makes a world of difference, I think. Right. Um, like in in the book, when she's talking about identity capital, she talks about like what she did so after college instead of going to graduate school she uh took this job at outward bound i think is what it was called it was like she lived in the mountains and drove a van to like take snacks and water to hikers and stuff like that and then the first chance she got she took like a manager position at the place she was she thought she'd be there for maybe one or two summers one or two years but she ended up being there for four and like by the end of it, she was taking canoe, she was taking like groups of students, 20 or 30 students on these like canoe trips. And they were all like inner city. They had done, they had committed some sort of crime. Anything short of murder is what she said. Mm. So arson, uh, theft and robbery, like all these kind of crazy crimes. They go serve out like some of their sentence at this place. And she took those students on canoe trips. And so that in itself, like once she was done with that, she she ended up doing it for four years and then realized, okay, 
I'm not going anywhere else with this. This is, I've been here like as long as I can be here. I need to go to graduate school. So, but literally everybody who interviewed her wanted her to talk about that. They were like fascinated by, you know, uh, coaching inner city kids and like all of this. It's like identity capital that she didn't even know she was building, Mm -hmm. you know, that like set you apart from literally everybody else applying for graduate school because they didn't go work at Outward Bound or whatever for four years. Like, Mm -hmm. Like it just, I mean, sometimes like a job maybe doesn't pay great like or whatever but it doesn't mean it's like wrong as long as the identity capital is there you know or a decision might not be a forever decision but like if the identity capital is there like that's kind of what you're looking for in regards to living a good story you know Mm -hmm. like i don't know it just is a lot more simple i think than we make it We're, we're like so worried about you know Taking the right path. Taking the right path. And and also not taking the wrong path. Like a lot of people, I think, especially in their 20s, they sort of settle for uh, like an easy, like, well, an underemployed, like you you are underemployed or Mm -hmm. you're overqualified for whatever job you take. Yeah. Which most of the time, everyone in their 20s has to work jobs that way. Like that's just how it goes. You're always overqualified for whatever job is available. Yeah, because for some reason, all of these like, basically entry level positions in these uh you know career jobs they're like three years experience and you're like yeah wait what, what? it's an entry level <laughs> job exactly so you're always pretty much going to be overqualified for a job but i think sometimes that's okay if it's if it provides you with the ability to pay your bills while you're doing while you're working on something else like that's one of the examples she gives um or if it's bringing you identity capital mm-hmm. of some sort. But the problem is, is that a lot of us get stuck in in those underemployed jobs because we're like waiting for the thing to come. You know, we're waiting for our big moment and, you know, whatever. We're, we're like, well, this cafe seems like a better option because at least I'm not selling my soul to something while I wait for whatever is right. next. Whereas if you took that corporate job that you think might be like selling your soul but who knows what kind of connections you're going to make at that corporate job whereas like if you go to a cafe whoever comes and buys your coffee or buys coffee from you they're just going to see you as a cafe worker versus somebody with potential I guess Mm -hmm. is kind of like how she says it and so like she gave an example of this girl who was 27 and she was deciding between going to work at a cafe which she thought was a better option because it's not corporate. It gives her freedom mm-hmm. in her schedule, et cetera, et cetera. Or she got this interview for this, like a floater position job at uh, an animation company. Mm-hmm. And she was thinking she shouldn't take the floater position job because it's uh, lower. Like it doesn't pay as well. It's it's kind of like intern, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's also corporate. She didn't want to get stuck in in a job that uh, that kind of thing but she encouraged her to take the animation job so she did it within two weeks she was promoted from a floater position to a desk like she had her own desk she was an assistant of something Mm -hmm. and at this animation company and then some director came to the company to work with somebody saw her snatched her up and now she's working in cinematography in the movies like that's what she does Mm -hmm. and it because that job gave her identity capital. Even though it seemed maybe like not the right option because it was kind of like a, you know, just a you're in the trenches intern type of job. She was put around the people who she needed to be around to get into the industries that she wanted to be in. So it's more, it's not as so much as paying your dues as it is trying to gain identity capital. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting because I have the propensity to like kind of shove off those types of jobs too. Like, yeah. well, I don't want to work in corporate, so I just won't, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. But it sometimes I think it does have its place if you can see like the identity capital that you might gain. Right. And I think 
to go along with that, I think a lot of the, especially in your twenties, especially with uh, the our generation and yeah. next generation up is like is struggling with uh, paralysis by analysis. Totally, and you know, choosing choosing by not choosing, mm-hmm. or you know, choosing. Uh, the option that seems like the most uh, choice ambiguous. Right. Um, I mean, so like the cafe is like, well, I'm I'm just doing this to make money, but it's not necessarily picking a career path. Right. Because if I take the animation job, that means that I'm going to have to be within the animation world for the rest of my life. And right. if I'm wrong, then I, I wasted, wasted it. everything because I chose this one thing at this one time whenever that's just a lie. It's not true. Mm-hmm. It's like if you go and you got the animation job and let's say you did remain the floater for, you know, a year and a half and you're like, man, this isn't going anywhere. I don't really even like animation, I don't think. And so you just go try something else. That wasn't a failure like we mentioned earlier. Right. That was learning. Yeah. But you would have never learned that if you had just taken taken the career ambiguous job mm-hmm. and been like, I'm just going to do this, you know, to make money while I try to figure out the decision that I actually want to make. Yeah. Like that girl who took the animation job, uh, she qu- ha- was quoted in the book and she had this long thing, but she said, the one thing I have learned is that you can't think your way through life. The only way to figure out what to do is to do something. Mm-hmm. And like, that's exactly it. That's what identity capital is. Like you, you do something because you you can see what it's going to uh, provide you or what it's go- what you're going to gain from it, and then once that is as far as it can go, you move on to the next thing. Yeah, you know. And I think all of that can seem like that only applies to a job or a career, or right? Like working, which uh, applies it because does. <laughs> because the majority of people work towards a career, like that's right. that's something that is a major part of their pathway, right? But then there is also people like myself who I have no desire to ever get a you know job in that way. Not that I won't ever, but just through the 30 years of my life, I've not once been like, I think I really want to go into that industry and have a boss. Um, <laughs> you know, I would yeah. like, you know, I, I am more entrepreneurial and like, right. even though it takes harder work, I, and I prefer that path. Right. That still applies because one in everything that that identity capital gives you more life experience. That's essentially yes. the sh- the that's other way you can you know say identity capital is just life experience. The more life experience you have, the more things you can bring to the table, even if it's your own table, mm-hmm. um, in creating your ideas, creating your invention, um, creating you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do, every piece of identity capital that you have is a is another circle on the Venn diagram that one day may shift closer into a center yeah. that you're like, yes, this that's is why. It. Yeah. Like I, you know, you never thought that that thing that you did, you know, for your freshman year of high school that seemed like the stupidest thing you've done, you're like, but actually like gave you some sort of life experience mm-hmm. that ended up giving you the ability to create that new piece of art, that right. new product, or that even new just whatever. gave you a skill, like it yeah. taught you how to be adaptable right. or whatever. Like it taught you how to be disciplined. Like I think just a lot of times, all all we need to do is shift our perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much what this podcast is about: is like shifting your perspective and understanding that everything that you have to decide or that you go through or that like all of life is really just about learning and growing and and like it's all beneficial even mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel like it um which that's more nuanced than a blanket statement it can't be yeah. that blanket statement because there are tragedies that happen obviously there's things that we can't control that actually affect us like markets and you know whatever like things that are unfair that happen right but tragedies are still life experience yes but i'm just saying like they shouldn't happen you shouldn't have to go through things like that but generally speaking everything that happens in life is going to benefit you in some way if you can learn to shift your perspective okay so in that what would you say are a few pieces of identity capital that you have earned. Oh gosh, I don't know. I'm good at giving out this advice. I'm not good at. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily advice. It's just like what do you? Well, I mean, it's my philosophy, but I'm not very good at. I'm too 
it's kind of like the curse of knowledge, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm like too, I know myself too intimately to like be like, oh yeah, I definitely plainly see this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think one another way to think about this is something that we've said in the past uh, is that you are only as interesting as you are interested. Totally. And so with these identity capital things, you become a more interesting person right. um, the more interested you are because it allows you to step into a conversation mm -hmm. with everybody, like anybody and everybody. You can you can start a conversation yes. as, you, as you listen and you are interested and you ask questions. You can bring things to that conversation because maybe you were interested enough to listen to podcasts or read books or talk to other people. And you're like, oh, yeah, that reminds me. I talked to this other guy that, you know, does this thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that just makes it just makes you an interesting person, which you never yeah. know what can how that connection can lead to right. partnerships in business, partnerships in life. Um, business opportunities, like all of those things right. by having those conversations and, and being an interesting person, um, which again, I think, you're only as interesting as you are interested. Right. I think, um, I think books is one of my identity capitals probably in some form or fashion. Again, I'm not good at like pinpointing anything about myself. I just, I'm not, I need other people to tell me who I am. That's, just, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I do think like it has been the thing that's like always been my constant. It's also the thing that people come to me for and about. Um, so I think in some form or fashion, like literature is an identity capital. Um, again, I'm taking, I'm just thinking of things that are like themes in my life that other people come to me for or mm -hmm. about or say to me. So yeah. I don't know if that's identity capital or not. But then also I think, I am like, I'm very highly adaptable to situations, which I think is identity capital. Like I, you can throw me into pretty much whatever and I'll figure it out. Um, and I think I'm also a good listener. But again, I don't know. I don't know if that's like identity capital or if that's just like characteristics. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not good at like pinpointing myself. I don't know especially if we're thinking about it in terms of work. Yeah. Then I'm just lost. I don't know. I have no idea what I put on my resume, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but like, yeah. I think in, in life, though, I know I'm highly adaptable. I'm empathetic. I love taking risks, which makes you a more well-rounded individual, I think. But I don't know how that applies directly. Yeah. That's my answer. <laughs> so pretty much, I don't think I can uh, give out this advice because I can't say it to myself. <laughs> All I know is I look at things and I think, okay, what's the better story? Or I'm in the middle of things and I'm like, okay, this is going to make a good story. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. I don't really know outside of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just not good at looking at my own self. I think it's just insecurity. Probably. I mean, a little bit of cursed knowledge and a little bit of insecurity. I mean, you're probably not wrong. I, I am an insecure individual, so. Because you obviously are a much more interesting person than you think you are. And you I'm have a regular old person. And you have more identity capital than what you're able to say, which that's another thing is that if you earn identity capital, you have to be willing to like say it say it but well, and be confident about it maybe yeah. that's it i'm just not confident so i don't know <laughs> i mean we have identity capital that we have together um in as like you you were married at yeah 18 years old you've been married for 10 years so those are pieces of identity capital those are things that make you interesting because you are 10 years married and you're only 29 years old mm -hmm. um you are uh, from Oklahoma, but you sold everything and moved to New York City. Yeah. You lived in New York City for two years now. I mean, that's a piece of identity capital um, that, you know, you're able to talk about those things. You um, are a writer and mm -hmm. you have, you know, those every all of the writing specifics that make up your identity capital. You have 
your uh, trips that you've taken around the world mm -hmm. that make up pieces of your life experience. Yeah. You have um, a wealth of quotes in your brain. <laughs> That's true. That almost in every conversation you can listen and say, that reminds me of a quote by, you know, somebody you don't remember or somebody, you know, it's like by Jack Kerouac that says that mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And it like wraps up like a whole thought. And that's something that makes you interesting. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you like became a YouTuber um, yeah. by accident, which makes you like another story and life experience. Yeah, I guess that's the thing is that I just don't even, I don't know how to like concisely put it together what I know. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, <laughs> you were a cheerleader. I was. That's probably a fun fact nobody would ever guess about me. I was a cheerleader and I loved it. Thank you very much. I mean, all of those things, you know? I was a cheerleader. I was in track. I was in basketball, soccer. Everything. See? Except for softball. Hated softball. I guess so. Yeah, I just don't know how to, I don't know how to talk about myself. That's pretty much it. I And I've known that about myself for forever. So, I mean, I think that's actually in my, or it used to be in my bio on my website. I don't know if it still is, but literally I would say something about like, I'm just trying to know who I, or I'm not good at talking about myself, so let's just get a cup of tea <laughs> mm -hmm. and have deep conversations about things that matter. <laughs> like, I think that was the line. And it's true. If anybody ever asked me to write a bio, I've had to write bios about myself for like guest articles and things like that. And it's harder for me to write one line about myself than it is a thousand words about something. Like, I just can't do it. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh, give me like a two sentence bio. And I'm like, oh, crap. Um, I live in New York. Um, <laughs> like I just. My name is Sarah. Yeah, I I cannot write something about myself. So like, yeah, that's probably the whole problem. It's like I don't know how to write about or like say anything about who I am. Whatever. That's that. But what about you? You haven't said your identity capital. I mean, for me, the things that I think about like going back to being a kid and like mm. just going through life experiences it's like i was like basically had my first job at like five years old um right you know obviously unofficial job um right but helping my dad out at a job that he had mm -hmm. um and i will learned uh, how to use a register how to give change back um mm -hmm. in those things at such a young age which led me um to starting to gain uh, entrepreneurial like skills or you know simple math skills and people skills things like that um i was one i earned the best square dancer award like three years in grade school um i was really good at um sewing um and yeah like home ec, that's I a won, fun like, fact you made me a skirt one time i've you know i've made blankets and pillows curtains and, and yeah uh, there was one time that my entire bedroom was like basically furnished by or not furnished but mm -hmm. decorated by you know things that i had sewn in class uh so like earning that skill um i was uh really into like close-up magic and then into clowning and then into ventriloquism <laughs> and then I took the ventriloquism and made it into a business mm -hmm. and then I took you know my ventriloquism skills to competitions See, um and then I got into skateboarding or first I got into roller blading um aggressive inline skating as we say like going to skate parks doing all the tricks things built a skate park built a skate shop um got into skateboarding um doing all that thing built like creating new connections with that creating new life experience with that. Um, and then really got into video, really got into taking photos, right. got into design, um, creating a path through that into a career, getting my first full-time career job, my senior year of high school, working out a thing with my school to uh, only have to 
take one class every other day so I could work full time in my career job, which took me into my next job, which I was at for eight years as a creative director, which took me to New York, which I did that. Right. Um, I started a business within that time. See, I feel like your whole life is much more clear than mine. Like I can look. Well, because even I was, the in, other, a, I was in three different bands. Yeah, you were. The other day we were talking about your existential crisis stuff. And I said, oh, you were talking about something. And I said, yeah, but go back to when you were five years old working with your dad. Like that's entrepreneurship has always been in you. Always from before you were five. So like it's much easier. I feel like yours is just clear. Mine is, I, mine's not. I mean, I think yours is as clear. I think you... I think you need to write it down. Probably. Because I think that being insecure leads you to thinking that you haven't done anything because well, you're just yeah. like, you, you you devalue all of the things in your life. It's like, it's well, not like I value, it's, it's not necessarily that, you know, learning some close-up magic tricks and being a clown with my grandpa, like, yeah. was anything to be proud of or anything to be like, this matters in my life, but it still is an experience. Like mm -hmm. it's still something that I stepped out and like did. Right, because um, it was a business like you performed. And you know, it's like, and the same thing with like my, you know, it's like my parents uh, owning a water park. Like right. all of the, I mean. Right. 10 years of stories and experiences. Yeah. And like, you know, within that, it's like I learned um how to fix things mm -hmm. you know it's like i you also managed people i lightly learned how to weld and i learned how to roll a hose so it doesn't get tangled whenever you unroll it it's like how to how to change how to change light fixtures how to change electrical sockets how to power wash like right. all of these like small things basically a handyman mm -hmm. you know type thing where learning all of these things creates life experience which creates right. identity capital, which makes one you more self sufficient, but then also just gives you insights into everything. Yeah, I think. Well, it reminds me of a quote. LOL. Mm -hmm. it reminds me of a quote from somebody that says, um, "Mastery is for insects," and he said, "Like human beings should know how to change a tire, how to change a diaper, how to." fix a light bulb how to you know whatever mm -hmm. and it's like a whole list of things that human beings should know how to do yeah and i think it's true i think you should know how to cook a good meal even if you hate cooking like that's one of the things for me that when i think of like skills i want to learn you know at some point just for fun just mm -hmm. because i want to learn them like cooking is one of them even though i really hate cooking mm -hmm. but i feel like i should know how to cook like a good, healthy, balanced meal. Just because yeah. you should. Like, and I understand that not a lot of people are going to agree that mastery is not for humans. <laughs> like, that's that's a common debate and probably even just a common belief that you should be a master of something. But I kind of like the idea that like, no, you should gain as much knowledge in as much areas as you can. Which that reminds me of... You know, we all have heard the quote of Jack of all trades, master of none. Yes. And that is used as like a derogatory thing of right. like, of learning, you know. It, you but, should know one thing really right. well. You should become the master of that thing. But the, 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 the funny thing, the ironic thing about that quote is that isn't the full quote. Mm -hmm. The full quote is Jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes better than the master of one. See? It's the opposite of what we use it for. Yes. That's actually the same as like the the phrase the Rome wasn't built in a day. It actually is Rome wasn't built in a day, but it burned in one mm -hmm. or something like that. And it's about, I mean, I, I find that fascinating that we just cut off the things that we don't want to yeah <laughs> acknowledge it's like a know? quote that means something exact opposite if we'd like shortening and using it for our, our own like you know whatever yeah like actually changes the meaning entirely right um was specifically with that one because yeah. it literally is the opposite of what everybody says yeah yeah that's i kind of believe that i kind of think i i also think maybe i'm just too interested in things to be a master of something mm -hmm. like i think it would be nice 
to be a master of something. I mean, right. <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> um, and maybe one day I will be, who knows? I mean, you always have those um, passions that stay forever. They're the things that were in you when you were a kid and they're gonna be with you forever. So, you know, maybe you can become a master of something, but I don't think you should pay too much attention to becoming a master of something and forget to learn as much as you can. I have a great example. The other day, mm. I was at a job, and this guy brought in a cart um, carrying some stuff, and it had it was all tied together with a ratchet strap. Mm -hmm. There were m multiple other people in the room, um, and two men tried to. He was one of the guy brought it in. He was like, "Does somebody know how to get this off?" And another guy went up. And he was like trying and like couldn't undo a ratchet strap. Yeah, and I was like. Let me get it. And so, like, I went over and like, you know, exactly. knew how to like take a ratchet strap off of, off of something, like something so simple, right? Like, it to me, it doesn't seem like that should be that that even is a skill right. to know how to take a ratchet strap off of something. But but it is really it is a like that's 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 a prime example of, of what I was saying to you is that you have all of this life experience, you have all of these identity capital things that. It's hard to say, like, you wouldn't write down, like, I know how to take off a ratchet strap. Yeah. <laughs> but because of my life experience, because right. I, you know, have you know, gone through, you know, things and I've done more than just, like, mastering one thing, I can work in my mastercraft of video, right. which is what I was doing. But, you know, some guy brought in, you know, equipment. Yeah. With, it was ratchet strapped and didn't know how to take the ratchet strap off. Right. You know, so it's like those type of things. Yeah. Or even like learning, like you mentioned, uh, wrapping a hose so it doesn't mm -hmm. um, like that skill flowed into whenever you were working, whenever we were at the church in Tulsa, because right. we had to wrap cords every single week. And like you have to know how to do them so that you don't kill yourself next week when they're all tangled together. You right. know, it's like, I think just learning how to, again, look at things differently and from a different perspective and shifting your perspective is really what it's all about. And like, um, for example, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, who is like a master songwriter, like she really is. She's a master songwriter, entertainer, performer, whatever. Um, after her 1989 tour, she took two years off literally to learn other things that she had never learned. She was like, I don't know how to change a tire. I should know how to change a tire. And I want to be able to cook a good meal. And I want to know how to take care of my face, you know, my skincare routine. And like mm -hmm. just dumb stuff that you think has no purpose, but but really does matter in the long run. And learning to like look at that and see the value in it and understand how it adds to your story, I think is kind of the whole point. And um, yeah, I think just, it takes time to shift your perspective. It takes time to like retrain your brain on how to, you know, look at your life like a story. But I mean, yeah, I think it's the way to go. Absolutely. Another thing that I thought of whenever uh, about life experience and learning things is just being curious yes. and paying attention. Um, one thing that I've always done is anytime I'm a, you know, have the ability to watch somebody who is a master at their craft do it, mm -hmm. I will. Like if somebody, uh, if, if somebody comes over to my home, like I hired, you know, an electrician to do right. something for me, I watch the process mm -hmm. and it's not so that I can like necessarily do it myself and do a crappy job at it. Right. But it's so I know how it works. So I know yeah. how it's done. And it's like, and then in the end, if it is something that is super easy, um, that I just didn't know how to do and it can be done by an individual, not a licensed electrician, it's like, then I can just do it. Right. But it's like, all it took was just watching them how to, I mean, watching like. Exactly. And learning and like paying attention. And it's the same thing with like, I, I theoretically knew how to drive when it be way before I was legally allowed to drive because I just watched my parents do it and watched like how the the machinery yeah. operated and then like i went out and like my took my driver's test and the instructor was like you handle the car very well yeah um and it's you know it's like all of those things just come from being curious paying attention adding to Keeping your, your mind open adding to your life experience adding to your uh identity capital um and that is what equals a good story yes and then at the end of your life when you're telling 
you know, all your great stories. Yeah. You will have great stories. Yeah. Um, but then also you just won't have, uh, I, I look towards like eliminating the regrets. Right. I also do think just like a quick little side note and then we can end. Um, so I read somewhere that, uh, this author, his name is Bob Goff writes down, which you do this too, writes down every single memory he has. Mm -hmm. Um, like if, if something pops into his head from when he was five years old, he writes it down. And, um, I mean, you can, obviously I believe in like journaling and writing as you go, like to remember the vivid details and all that stuff. But, um, just even just the act of, of remembering your life is like, I mean, I think really important because you can look whenever you're looking at identity capital and you're looking at living a good story and whatever you can see, like, all the memories you can see like oh this is how this happened i forgot that this piece of information was here and you have it written down so i would also suggest like that too in building a life that is a good story you know yeah. write it down yeah i mean i have a entire note on my phone that is just a list yeah. of every memory that comes to me and and in- and i think it's cool when you think about the end of your life and you know we're talking about like what what story do i want to tell my grandkids or whatever mm-hmm. like at the end of your life you have this list of memories of you that your family can look at or that you can look at and remember what a good story it really was you know yeah yeah so uh, get out there live a great story yeah <laughs> uh, build that identity capital do it. um be interesting be interested so you can be Interesting. Interesting. Um, And thank you to all of our Jensen AV Club members for making our art possible. And if you want to uh, help support our art, you can do that by going to jensenav.club. The link is also in the show notes and description. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.